Hello and welcome back to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. My name is Aidan Muir and I'm here with my co-host Leah Heigl and this is episode 43 where we will be talking about whether or not soy is good or bad for your health. Personally, I've got a bit of like general knowledge about this, but it's not something I'm really a deep, deep like expert in because I don't really need to. Like I don't see many cases where it really impacts my clients or anything like that. Um, because a lot of things are probably going to be more relevant if somebody has a really high soy intake. So I don't see a lot of that. Leah sees a little bit more of that, I assume. It's a bit more relevant for the kind of stuff she does. And we figured that this is probably going to be a bit of a good episode in terms of something we can point back to anytime anybody asks us a question being like, is soy good or bad for your health or how much is okay and anything like that. We can just point to this episode. But because of all of that, we're going to do it in a bit of like an interview format where I'm pretty much just asking Leah questions and she's pretty much just answering them. So starting off, we're just going to start off with background stuff, very, very general. And then I'm just going to ask stuff that I'm personally interested in. So the first question is, what foods contain soy and how much do people normally consume? Yeah, that's really a good place to start. So if you're not sure where soy usually comes from, we're thinking things like edamame, obviously soybeans, uh, tofu, tempeh, soy milk, textured vegetable protein. So really thinking about those plant-based proteins that are really common in a vegetarian and vegan diet, not so much in the standard Australian diet. So we might have a little bit of like some soy protein fortified foods in a normal Australian diet, but it's pretty low. So generally, standard Australian is going to eat like one to two serves per week of like soy foods. And usually it's going to be like a soy fortified product rather than like a block of tofu. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So jumping into, I suppose, like the most pertinent kind of topic, but I want to start real vague and then I'll go more specific. What are the proposed like negatives of soy consumption? What, what are people talking about? What are people caring about? I guess like I kind of break it up into four main topics usually. So one that comes up a lot in the fitness space would be feminizing effects in men. So yep. that tends to be an overarching one. Uh, one I see a lot is issues with fertility in women and some worry around that. Uh, third would be just general cancer risk. So yep. like soy increasing cancer risk. Uh, and four would be issues with thyroid function, particularly people that ha- already have low thyroid function. Like, does soy then go on to affect it further? Yeah. So starting off with that first one, feminizing effects in men. Where does that come from? Why, why would people think that? What would the mechanism be? And actually, let's just start with the mechanism. What would the yeah. mechanism be? Yeah, so let's start with phytoestrogens because yeah. that's particularly what people are concerned about when it comes to soy. So there's a little bit of debate generally around um, like GMO and soy, but we're kind of going to leave that out of this yeah. discussion because it's like a rabbit hole of its own yeah. in terms like organic and whatnot. Um, but we really want to focus on the yeah, phytoestrogens because they are, I guess people worry because they have the word estrogen in them. Yeah. So they are a hormone, but they're a plant hormone. So they can have estrogen type effects in the human body, but they're really, really minimal. Um, but the effects are still there. So people are still concerned that, oh, maybe they'll increase estrogen levels in the body have issues with yeah, fertility, feminizing effects in men, and that's kind of where the fear comes from. Generally, I find there's that one article that was in Men's Health magazine. Oh, it would have been like 2010, yeah. something like that, 2008, um, that was like 
a bit of a fear-mongering around soy, where there was this case study of this one 60-year-old man who was drinking like three litres of soy milk per day, so like a lot of soy milk, um, and then he did end up, his, uh, his estrogen levels did increase. He experienced like breast tissue growth, uh, erectile dysfunction, um, and, uh, and low libido as well. Yeah. So they're the four main things he complained of. Um, and when looking at his diet, they realized that like, man, this guy's <laughs> having a lot of soy. And when they took the soy out of his diet, all those issues did go away. Yeah. He returned to baseline in terms of his estrogen levels. All the side effects went away. Issue with that case study is it is a standalone one person situation. It's not obviously a population study. Yeah. So that's not like the peak of evidence. Um, and the second part of that is three liters of soy milk. So that's way more than the definitely the standard Australian diet. But even when we're thinking vegetarians and vegans, we tend to consume about 40 to 60 milligrams of these soy isoflavins in general. Yeah. Even a little bit lower for some vegetarians that are not super soy focused. This guy would have been having 360 milligrams per yeah. day of these soy isoflavins. I guess I should mention that phytoestrogens and isoflavins are interchangeable concepts to a certain extent. So I'm just going to use that yeah. interchangeably. Yeah, cool. So just out of my own curiosity, is like, because that's just one, one case study, but it obviously begs the question of is this a bit of a spectrum? Is this something where it's like, okay, zero soy intake means you have none of these effects, like a moderate soy intake means you probably don't even notice these effects and then a super high one might lead to this. But do we have anything else like on really high soy intakes and that concept? Is there like there's, anything on that? To be honest, there's not a lot of research that is someone consuming that amount of soy. Yeah. So generally when we're looking at research, the most that people that will, will usually get is about 100 milligrams of these yeah. soy isoflavins. So like he was consuming almost four times the amount that we even see in research yeah. at its highest amounts. Um, so it's really hard to say. Like I'm sure he's probably not the only person that's ever going to experience that from that level of yeah. soy intake. It's just that that's so out of the norm. And we don't have research yeah. on it. Generally, research in men looking at effects on estrogen levels and soy intake, when it's like moderate to even mildly high, tends to have nil effect. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, super interesting. Cool, cool. And that's obviously pretty relevant because like a lot of people are like scared of having small amounts. <laughs> like, yeah, people are like scared of having tofu like once. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not going to eat that. So you're not going to experience it, these feminizing effects from having few serves of soy per week yeah if anything it probably is even good for our health yeah and we're going to touch on yeah. the, the good for health kind of aspect a little bit like i want to go through the bad quote unquote the bad stuff yeah, first. yeah yeah um next one fertility in women so that was something you talked about like that's a bit of a complex area isn't it? it's like pretty mixed it's it's really really complex so if we look at the research as a whole moderate mild to moderate soy intake looks like looks like it improves pregnancy and fertility outcomes yeah as a whole looking at all of the research but I don't like to I don't like to brush things off and go oh there's no effect because we know that phytoestrogens can act on pretty much any um, like sex organ that we have because it does mimic estrogen in some way so to say it has like no effect I think would be missing the mark a little bit um there's, the, there's basically three case studies, so very similar to 
the one six-year-old man that had three litres of soy milk per day. There was three case studies in the research of women consuming, they estimated it to be over 100 milligrams of soy isoflavins per day on average. Um, and these three women experienced uh, loss of period, difficulty with fertility, and a few other issues. Yeah. And again, once they removed soy from the diet, all those issues went away. So there was like clearly some link between the two. Yeah. But generally, the research at a population level says that it's not really going to be an issue. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Most of it's positive, but that like tiny little bit of negative research, I think, is worth knowing about. Yeah, like just worth being aware of, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, because potentially maybe there are people that are more sensitive than others. Yeah. Maybe there is going to be that one woman in a fertility clinic wondering why she's not getting pregnant and maybe she's vegan and eating a lot of soy foods so it's it's worth considering it's probably not the reason most people are infertile like obviously but it's worth noting i reckon for sure that third one you mentioned was cancer risk how does soy play a role there so in regards to cancer risk a lot of people assume that soy foods are going to increase the risk of some cancers but based on the research, we actually know that it's probably beneficial for reducing the risk of, of some cancers. So breast cancer is one, prostate cancer in men is another where it seems quite positive. So breast cancer is one. So the largest and most detailed study to investigate soy intake and the risk of like breast cancer developing was the Shanghai Women's Health Study. So that had over 70,000 participants and it was long term. Um, So like a huge study. Um, And they found that women who ate the most soy had 59% lower risk of breast cancer compared to those who ate the lowest amount of soy. How much is that? 59%? 59%. That's pretty huge, yeah. So like, that's huge. So this was in China, so potentially their higher intake of soy. It's probably a little bit higher intake of soy Mm. than what we'd have here in Australia generally as well. Um, But that's a huge statistic. So not only does soy not cause breast cancer it's maybe protective against yeah. breast cancer yeah that's interesting hey? because i have heard people like link the two but it's interesting to see like in breast cancer in that large scale study not only was it not increasing the risk it was it's decreased <laughs> yeah. and like a fair amount so yeah. like overall when it comes to cancer and soy intake seems pretty positive and beneficial rather than the other way around. Yeah, super interesting. And then the last one that we were going to touch on, thyroid function. We, we've spoken off air about this, but yeah. it, is, it is a complex topic. But um, do you want to give a bit of a broad overview on that? And I might ask some more specific stuff if anything comes up. Yeah, let's start with people taking thyroid medication because I feel, feel like that's the easiest place to start. So we know that soy does interact with thyroid medication to a certain extent so if you are on thyroid medication and you eat a lot of soy it's probably worth speaking to your doctor about if you're going to like have a sudden increase in soy intake Um, and it's also best to have not have soy like three to four hours around the time you take medication so there has been some worry around a high soy intake potentially reducing thyroid function in people with already compromised thyroid function. Um, And once again, looking at the breadth of the research, it doesn't seem that it does that. So a moderate soy intake does seem to be okay for people that do have hypothyroidism. Um, 
but there are some studies where people did have moderate soy intakes and their thyroid hormones did change in a negative way. Um, but the researchers didn't deem it clinically significant enough yeah. to kind of say, oh, X equals X, you know. Um, but I think, it's, again, it's worth noting yeah. that there is some change in thyroid hormones at a certain point in some people with soy intake. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote a blog post on Hashimoto, so underactive thyroid in that case. And it was something that I kind of saw as well, where it's kind of like a lot of people in the thyroid space who are not necessarily, quote unquote, like evidence-based practitioners will very much be like, no soy ever. That's going to make things yeah. worse. And then there's a lot of people in the evidence-based space who are just like, no, soy is completely fine. But I think it's more nuanced than yeah. that, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I think for most people, particularly if you're on thyroid medication, it's probably not going to make a huge difference to have a mild to moderate soy intake. Yeah. But even like thinking about some of the vegans I work with in the sports space, some of them do have underactive thyroid and are trying to eat a lot of protein and therefore having a lot of soy in their diet. Mm. So I do wonder for those people, is it an yeah. issue at that point? And we just, with the research there's not a lot of research that has a really high soy intake the way that yeah. vegans are starting to consume it or the way at least I consume it yeah. and other people in the sports space that are vegan consume it. So I think it's just worth putting a bit of a question mark on and going, yeah, okay, it's not as clear cut as maybe we think. Yeah. And to the best of my knowledge, like I read every study on that topic that every I could find, study. which is a bit of a sign that there's not that much research. Yeah. Like, I mean, I do, I do try hard, but I'm like, if there was like, hundreds of studies I wouldn't have read every study this is true which is like what makes me kind of like it, it's hard because it's like there's different levels to this like really high soy intakes moderate low soy intakes all these kind of things medications what if you're just on the border of like having underactive thyroid but your thyroid stimulating hormone is high or like all these there's so many different presentations of this yeah and how does soy affect all of those yeah Nuanced, as you said. Very nuanced. I think there was one study that I came across that kind of changed my mind on things because previously I thought I was kind of in the camp of like, oh, you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. It's not an issue. Mm. I'm probably a bit biased because I love soy. Yeah. Um, but looking into it a bit more, I found one study where they had a group of people that, were, that had hypothyroidism um, and they put one on a diet that had the amount of phytoestrogens that was normal for like the Australian diet. So one to two milligrams per day. And the other group was like simulating like a vegetarian diet where they were having about 16 to 20 milligrams of these phytoestrogens per day. And then they measured their thyroid function over six months, I believe. Um, and there was a threefold increase in progression from subclinical to overt hypothyroidism in that vegetarian group. Yeah. I mean, the difference was two people became clinically, like had an underactive yeah. thyroid in one group and six in the other group. So it could just be the matter of like unlucky splitting yeah, of random, participants. Random like chance, just potentially. Random chance. But it's also like, it also could it's mean something. It's worth being aware of, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So I suppose that's going through like a lot of the common potential downsides that people are thinking of or talking about or everything like that. So we're going to look at it from the other perspective, not just from the health perspective, but also just like what are the benefits? Like what, what are other reasons to be consuming soy? So going through that, like I don't know, rattling off a few things, like what could be some of the benefits? I mean, if you're plant-based at all, it's such a good source of protein that's super high quality 
you, it's so versatile. So in that way, I love soy. I die for soy. Love it. I eat so much of it. Um, so yeah, it's it's great in that way. There's also quite a bit of research of um, in menopausal, like postmenopausal women consuming soy and it helping with menopausal symptoms like hot flushes um, and even uh, bone health post-menopause due to like that estrogen effect that phytoestrogens have. Yeah. Um, so it might be protective against bone loss in post-menopause. So I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And then you have the cancer stuff. So the like breast cancer in particular and also prostate cancer that it might be protective against. Yeah. So there's a lot of benefits to soy intake. It's just like, uh, can you take it too far is the question. Yeah, for real. Yeah, okay. So one of the obvious questions we've got from that quality protein perspective, um, I assume like it's a complete amino acid profile, like it's high quality protein. Um, Are there many other vegan sources that fit that (laughs) criteria? (laughs) It is pretty much the only one that is really high quality and efficient and has a good leucine content. Yeah. So leucine is the amino acid that is known for triggering muscle protein synthesis. Um, So we know if you're focused on muscle building, muscle recovery, that leucine content's quite important. It's pretty much the only good source of leucine on a plant-based diet. Yeah. So that's something to consider from a sports perspective. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I, I feel like this is almost too simple. <laughs> the positive so it's just like complete source of protein. It gives you another option and also taste variety and stuff like that. Like I think about it, I'm like, if I'm on a plant-based diet, yeah. there's obviously less variety than there is by definition compared yeah. to being omnivorous. Like you've literally cut out a lot of foods, just like you have with any dietary approach, but like there's less good protein sources. So even if one just happened to be equal with all the other ones, you'd still want it as an option. 100% let alone the fact that it is one of the only complete protein sources. So although we've kept it like a lot shorter than like from the positive perspective, we have kept it shorter than we have on the other perspective, but like what would you say are like the key takeaways from all of this? Like a bit of a summary from what we've talked about. Yeah. So I I think the key takeaways would be generally soy is a great food and the fear mongering that happens around it not really it's not ideal because it is a really great um source of protein particularly for plant-based people um but generally i'd say for women who do want to get pregnant generally limiting it to four to five serves of soy per day at like the most probably something to kind of chuck in there in terms of fertility recommendations just in case um I want to kind of reiterate that feminizing effects in men is just not something we've ever seen in the research outside of that one single crazy case study. Um, And that, yeah, generally phytoestrogens can be protective against cancers and that postmenopausal stuff. So um, I think those would definitely be the key takeaways. Yeah, I see those were like kind of like reaching to find downsides. Like we've really like gotten out of our way to find any any downsides yet. Like the way it's kind of messaged is, is if like, the average person needs to be concerned about it, yeah. which is not the case. Yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah. don't Like I said, I don't want to be that person that brushes off everyone's, um, I guess, worries about soy. Like I want to address them. Yeah. It's just that you've probably noticed that most of the negative stuff is a handful of case studies, yeah. um, which we know is not going to be the peak of evidence-based research. So we are really reaching to find negative things about soy. Yeah. Easy. Well, we'll wrap things up there. So this has been episode 43 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. Thank you to everybody who's been listening. And as always, if you could please leave a rating and review, that would be massively appreciated.